All right. Hello. Hi, hi, hello. Welcome back to the Pumpkin Seeds Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Shana Blanford. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. I know that things have been irregular the last little bit. Um, please just bear with me. I am uh, just trying to figure my shit out as we all are. Um, but I am very, very excited uh, for today's episode. This is my conversation with Deborah Bash. Um, she was one of my professors in uh, college and, you know, we stayed in touch for a few years after graduation because she's also a bikini competitor. Um, and I'm really excited to uh, bring this episode out to you guys because I feel like we covered a lot of really interesting topics. Um, she echoes a lot of the same things that Lee says, but she comes from a different perspective. Just to give a couple ideas, uh, Deborah is thriving in the stay at home working online uh, life something Lee and I do not connect to. And uh, she's an online coach for a company called Lady the Fuck Up, which <laughs> we love that name. Um, and she's a competitor and she's still a competitor and she's in her 50s. Um, and I feel like that is a really key piece of information ju that just speaks to what a powerhouse that this woman is. Um, I look up to her very much. I enjoyed uh, getting to know her and meeting her in college and I still follow um, her journey to this day. Uh, we cover a lot of cool things. We talk about what it's like to stay in shape um, as a woman as you age versus as a man. We talk about, uh, you know, professionalism in the workplace and how the industry has changed, uh, specifically speaking to, to women, um, just just more women in the gym and more women seem to take, you know, uh, positions of power. Um, and we talk about a bunch of other uh, things that just ended up coming up in the conversation, which I love when that happens. So uh, please Grab yourself your running shoes and your earbuds if you're heading out for a walk uh, or sit down, get comfortable and grab a snack. This one is a longer one, but it is worth it, I promise. Uh, so without further ado, this is my episode with Deborah Bash. Are recording? Awesome. Okay. Uh, and I will have done an intro clip already so everyone knows who we're talking to. But Deborah, did you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Deborah Bash and I am a Humber professor part-time and a full-time online coach with Lady the Fuck Up. I'm also their team manager. So we have a team of nine coaches and we specialize in body transformations just for women. That's amazing. Yeah, it's great. It's a, it's, it's like the dream gig because first of all, I'm probably one of the few people that has really enjoyed lockdown. I am, it's not that I'm antisocial. I'm actually an outgoing introvert. So okay. I love to be at home. I'm very much a homebody. Um, I always dreamed about being able to work in my pajamas with my hair in a ponytail, drinking coffee, and I manifested it. I'm just really sorry that I destroyed the world at the same time, but <laughs> that's why I, it's a dream job. Like I just get to engage and I can engage with people too over zoom and Google meet, but I do not have to leave my house to make a dollar. <laughs> so what you're one of the few people that are thriving in this uh, home experience. Yes. Um, I, I started with lady the fuck up before COVID and it was just to really help them out with their challenges. But uh, about a year ago, almost exactly to the day I woke up in a cold sweat, finding that the gyms and everything had been locked down and I wasn't going to be able to see you know, my clients. So when you make the majority of your income going into people's homes and working at a gym, and then it's 
shut down. I was like, okay, I can live for two weeks, three weeks. But as it went on and on, I, I thought, okay, you have an, an, an enormous background in experience really. And Mm -hmm. in business and in teaching pivot woman pivot. So I did. And I am happy to say that I have resigned from the gym. I will not be going back to the gym. My clients that wanted to come with me, I put some of them with Lady the F up and said, look, you don't need supervised workouts, but you do need accountability and you do need somebody now to watch over your nutrition and change up your programs. The other clients that didn't want to do the Lady the Fuck Up, I kept them as Zoom clients. So they're training in their houses and, you know, um, that's it. That's it. So I, and with, with lady the fuck up, because I had so many um, referrals and people that I knew, I just, I just said to them, look, I'm just going to start signing and bringing on more and more clients. Are you cool with that? And then within three months, they made me their manager, their team manager to bring on younger, you know, less experienced coaches and help them. So that's what I do. I, that way the two owners, uh, Rima camera and Lexi Ward can really just focus on the branding and building of the business. They can't, they can't be bothered with questions like, would you add carbs to this person's diet or, or what, how do I respond to this question or, or sales tactics? Like I basically what I taught at Humber, which is, or what I teach there is career skills and entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. I'm teaching that to the coaches and uh, helping them with really client care and keeping their retention high. So I love it. I'm, I'm, it just, yeah, I'm just really good. (laughs) That's awesome. You know, a lot of people in our industry uh, made the pivot to online coaching. Um, I was not one of them. Um, And some did really well and some just didn't. Uh, I think it's a different kind of brain. Lee and I were talking about this when we spoke uh, yesterday. It's a different kind of brain that I just don't think that I have. And I really respect the people that do though. Oh, well, I think, you know, I'm going to say that if you were not you, but I'm thinking of Lee and some of her um, colleagues, like, which are my colleagues too, but we were always a, we're always a group of close friends, but I was the only personal trainer. The rest of them thrive off of going into a room and performing in front of 50, 60 people. They get the energy, they get their high kicks, they get their like, woohoo, that is my worst fucking nightmare. And that's why I went into teaching spinning and bar classes because I'm not a, I'm like I said, I'm an, I'm an outgoing introvert. So I don't, there's very few people that are really, really good at personal training, that one-on-one and really, really good at group X. And I'm going to be really blunt and say that and probably have people be pissed off at me, but I do not thrive off of lots of energy of everybody else. It exhausts me. It wipes me out. I have enough energy to power this town of Orangeville but I can't have other people competing with my energy. And right. that's what, that's what I used to find would happen. Interesting. 
So if I'm, I'm still just focusing one-on-one with people, but just on a different platform, right? So how is a group X instructor going to get energy back when he or she's looking at a screen? And that's what Lee was saying, right? She's like, it's not the same. And I couldn't even imagine, like we were saying about school earlier before I started recording. If like, I can't imagine how my college professors are like teaching blank screens. I couldn't imagine doing like a step class for blank screens. (laughs) Like I could not imagine that. Yeah. Like I know me, if I had to do that, I would be like thinking, what's the point of bringing my knee up two inches higher? Like, really? Like, do I have to like, okay. So like, whoa. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna point my fingers to the sky instead of putting my whole arm up. Like, right, right. So yeah, yeah it really is exhausting with that. But I mean, some things you, just transfer easier. I think. I agree. Yeah. I agree. So this is a great segue, actually. So the first thing I want to talk about, and this is my most, this is what I'm most excited about, is I want to hear how you got into fitness as your job. Did you make a plan? Was this what you wanted to do since you were like a wee little girl or did it just happen? Like walk us through that. All right. I will try to be brief. I, uh, (laughs) I was a hyperactive kid, like just bouncing all the time. So my parents put me into gymnastics and skating. I excelled at both. So then they decided because I could go competitive with either, they chose gymnastics that gymnastics was phenomenal. Um, I've spoken to you a bit about this. I won't get into this because it probably doesn't fit your podcast for today, but I come from a very um, abusive background, like parents, you know, with addiction problems, uh, father in prison, just like really bad. I was in and out of foster care um, and came from a upper middle-class family. So I don't want to give the impression that, oh, you know, like how could she have private gymnastics lessons with all that going on? There was money. There was no stability. Gymnastics, my coaches gave me stability. So I ended up getting my, you know, level two OGF certification, which if anybody knows what it's like to become a coach at the provincial level, it's, it's tough going. So that put me coaching gymnastics as a 16 year old uh, right through university, um, which I took business because I absolutely hated the gym, like other than to, I, I taught classes, I wasn't certified, nobody had to be certified, but they said, oh yeah, you look good and you know what you're doing. Oh, did I? <laughs> okay. But right. So it, to me, I was like, no, I'm going to be a businesswoman because I'm smart and I want to wear pencil skirts and high heels. And, you know, gymnastics af- afforded me the ability to, at, at the time I was going, when I was, I, when was I at Ryerson? Like in the early eighties. Yeah. Like, mid, like 84, I started, um, I was out by 88 so you were get, getting paid 25 to $30 an hour back then was phenomenal. Yeah. And it put me through school and I didn't have to, I didn't have to, I got loans, but I didn't have parents that were going to help me. So I left the gymnastics world and went into business. And my first and only job working in the business world was working for what's called Hydro One now. But at that time it was called Ontario Hydro. And I worked in um, customer um, customer and corporate relations, which 
sounds really like, ooh, corporate relations, exciting. No, I worked under fluorescent lights in my cute outfits with my long hair being subjected to being sexually harassed by old men in bad suits. The female supervisors hating me because I was a fit young female. I hated it. Everybody in there was, and I'm just going to say it. I'm sorry. They were overweight. They didn't know how to eat. They were unhappy people. And it was like being a little rat on a treadmill every day. Like it, I hated it. Like, I can't say I hated it enough times. So what did I do? I did the next best thing. I got married. (laughs) like right away. Yeah. I said, yes. Um, and I was like, okay, I'll just get married and have a kid. And that's what I did. So Deborah, how did you get into fitness? I was craving something. So you have little kids. I went back to teaching gymnastics. There was no such thing as having a job in fitness. Like if you, I could teach classes, but there was no personal trainers. Right. And then you know, something, there was like, oh, wow, this celebrity or this rich person has a, has a personal trainer. Well, what did I do? I took courses at York. I went, Ryerson had this, this whole program for a year intensive called the professional personal training course. And you had, you had to attend school 21 hours a week and write, um, it was the first the first certifi- certification in Canada at the time, the Canadian Personal Trainers Network. So it was like, it was tough. I had to do the full Sapafala at the time, which is, everybody knows it as CSEP now, but it was, yes. it was more intense back then because you had to actually do, um, what are those words, those hours uh, where they watch you um I can't think of the word like uh like an internship or yes yeah yeah, you had to do like 120 hours of somebody watching you and not get paid for it and then they had to watch you train and not get paid for it and that's how I started so sports clubs of Canada back then was hiring trainers um and I went in with a business plan and just said look put me on your gym floor and I will, I will blossom. And the reason why did I do that was because by now my kids are seven and four and I was getting divorced. <laughs> so I needed a full-time job. Okay. And that's really how I started. I just went, okay, I have a passion. I'm really good at this. Um, there was no course like what you took at Humber. Um, I could have gone back to university and taken the, you know, at the time, everybody called, everybody's changed their resumes now to say that they took kinesiology. No, back then it was called physical education. Okay. Right. And it like, no, I wasn't going to do that. So as long as I could write the same certifying exam as everybody else, you know, and I, and did it in true Deborah fashion, I had to get to you to American ones like ACE and, <laughs> and SCA. And then I had to do this Canadian personal trainers one. And then at the time, good life, like can fit. I just showed them what I had and they gave me my certification. Yes. They used to do that. They don't do that yeah. anymore. No, they don't do that anymore, but they just mm-hmm. said, wow, great. Yeah. I'd love to have you. 
if you ever let this expire, you have to do the exam. And I was like, okay, I won't okay. That would be stupid. So that's how I did it. And I just thought I have a big toolbox. What do I fill it with now? So every year, a new certification, something more. Oh, wow. And so how did you get on with Humber? Well, I got on with Humber because um, at the time I was managing what, like back then, I guess I got my first management position, managing the spinning programs for sports clubs of Canada um, at two, two of their top locations. Uh, another woman that was a colleague of mine, um, Elaine Pop, she did she was running group X and she was a Pilates instructor. I thought like just a Pilates instructor. Turns out she had just finished her PhD in exercise phys. And she was writing this whole new program for Humber. Like they wanted this health, um, you know, fitness and health promotion program. So she said, can, can I bring you in as a guest speaker? So bringing me in as a guest speaker led to um, an offer of employment. And it's Elaine's connection to really all of the group X and people that you know from Humber that really grew that Humber. So she was really instrumental in bringing in industry professionals that were doing well. And yeah, I might sound like I'm tooting my own horn, but within two years, I had won like for Sports Clubs of Canada. They had like 13 locations, trainer of the year. I was being bonused every month because... I was older than everybody else. I had two kids at home and I worked my ass off. If you wanted a trainer at five in the morning, I never said no. If you wanted this, I never said no. And I, I approached it like a business. Like this is, I'm the product. And the only way I'm going to grow is to get good referrals. How do you get good referrals? You keep the people that you have really fucking happy. And that's, you know, I mean, retention rate for me, people that I've had for over 25 years, I still have. So. Not a lot of trainers can say that. No, I don't think a lot of trainers, I, I, I used to hate it when people would say, no, nah, I'm leaving the industry. I'm getting a real job. And I'm like, yeah, see, that's the problem. I got hired the same time another guy did who had a master's in exercise phys. And I remember feeling for about five minutes really insecure until I watched him train. Technically, he was, he was really good. He was so boring. Mm. He did not know how to connect to his people. And I'm not saying that people with masters don't, no, no, that's not what I'm saying. Like I, I can control what I'm saying, but I can't control what your audience hears. I think the more education you have, the better. Good right. for you. But he didn't know how to run himself like a business. I was full by the end of the month. He wasn't, he was like, retract your scapula and, you know, and I want you to keep your spine in neutral. And everyone's like, what, what I go like flat your back, like neutral. I just just say, okay, here's strip stripper stance, ass out. But and I would show them people liked my energy, you know? And at the end of the day, as long as you don't ruin them and you don't mind saying, geez, I don't know that. I, I don't know the answer to that. I'll have to look it up. They don't care if you don't have a master's. They just they don't care. Know. Right. They don't know they the don't, difference. They don't know by looking at you. 
they just know, like, if I'm getting results and she makes me feel good about myself and she's honest and straight up. The other thing I did, Shana, that I think really helped is I would show them like, okay, I just want to let you know, you have three sessions left and it's in the book. And this, these are the dates and they go, we trust you. I trust you. I trust you. And I go, yeah, but you trust me because I show you. I was always very transparent. That makes me happy to hear. I um, I currently work uh, for Good Life and it's taught me some things about myself as a trainer and a human being. Um, and uh, it's been a rough year, but I we have a lot of similarities in the way that we do things. And I have the same thought process about you can have all the education in the world, but if you can't hold a conversation with someone or if you don't, in my case, genuinely give a shit about people, you're not going to get very far. Exactly. Exactly. Like, like my, the thing I always say is my clients aren't with me because I know everything about training. They're with me because they like me. Yeah. Right. And they'll follow me anywhere because they like me, not because I know all the insertions of the muscles. No, no, they don't even know what that means. I could make up all the muscles in the body and they'd be like, okay, yeah, sure. They just need someone who like cares about them. Right. And, And people know whether or not they're an annuity a paycheck or that you genuinely care. Exactly. You know? They really do. And my clients, when I've, I've moved three times, I've moved from the Parkview club to the Dunfield from the Dunfield to my last place, which was in body fitness. I had clients follow me from each one. And even now what they've said, like, Oh, you, you resigned. Okay. Like, you just tell us, tell me, like, how do I do this now? Like, do I just stay with you? You know, like that. I, And that's the loyalty comes because it's both ways. I'll tell you something. Some of my relationships with my clients, well, they're, they're like twice as long as my marriage ever lasted. Like I have never had a romantic relationship last as long as my relationship with my clients. So... <laughs> I don't know if I should be laughing about that, but that is the honest to God truth. And people are like, oh, wow, that must be so easy. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? It's harder. Like they know, they know me. I don't have to wow them anymore. Like, I mean, they, I can't wow them. No. Like I've like, I genuinely have to do work. Right. Yes. That person who signs up for 20 sessions, like it's like, boom, boom, boom. Oh, this is easy. They, we've never worked together before. I can use my old jokes. I can do this. I can do... No, when you're going on week on year 24, you're actually like, okay, so what are your goals now? Like we've done this, we've done that. You like your metrics and it's, and I am being tongue in cheek because that's how I am anyways, but it's a, if you don't get up every day committed to servicing and I should, whoa, I'm going to say that differently. If you don't get up every day committed to serving your clients with professionalism, all I was going to say servicing, um, professionalism all the time, then, (laughs) you know, people are going to be like, yeah, she's lost it. Yeah. No, I, um, the four clients I have left are actually all the first four clients that I signed when I first started with good life a year and a half ago. Um, so, we, so we all just had our one year anniversary. And my joke with them is, is like, I've got a couple of clients I see four times a week and I'm like, this is the most serious relationship I've ever been in. I have never seen anyone four days a week, every week for a whole year. 
That's ridiculous. I don't see my mom that much. Like that is a lot. It is a lot. I know. It's a serious relationship. It it definitely is a serious relationship and people need to, uh, they need to approach it that way. Yeah. Hell yeah. And if you give whatever you give to your clients, like good, solid clients, they'll give it back in different ways, obviously, but like all my relationships are give and take with my clients. It's really cool. It's a special job. It's there's no other one like it for sure. No, I love it. And that's why I'm still doing it at my age. I mean, I'm 56. So, you know, my, my, I, I remember saying, I cannot be walking a gym floor at 60. Like that is just demoralizing because I was, but it really isn't when I think about some of the young women that I coach online and they're like, no, I love that you're older. Like I, I really value your experience and you know what happens in a woman's body. So, you know, I, I probably would have been okay on the gym floor being 60. Yes. But I am, as I said, living the dream with the coffee cup and ponytail. And the pajamas, of course. Oh, absolutely. I actually, I love that you brought that up because I think that's actually that idea is just based off of what we're used to. Like if you see an old guy in like a, 80s or 70s tracksuit at the gym coaching someone you automatically assume he knows what he's talking about but we just (laughs) don't see older women on the floor coaching so you just assume oh she's aged out but actually I think as a young female to see an older woman on the floor coaching and doing well that would enlist in more women that this is a real job yes yes I think yeah you know I uh when I was uh uh personal training manager over at the Dunfield club. Like I, I, we had a manager, but then we had what we called elite trainers where we man, because we were such a large team, they would have five of us managing anywhere from 10 to 15 junior trainers. So I had 15 trainers and I just said, I remember calling them in one day for a meeting and just said, look, I'm really unhappy with the way you're dressing males. I don't want to see you in your ass down to your ankles, sweatpants. Like, I'm not saying you have to wear tight pants, like not at all, but wear some nice gym pants or shorts and wear a shirt that fits you, not a baby shirt. Like, I don't want to see the tight baby shirt. And I said, in females, come on, you want, I go, you guys bitch and complain so loudly that people make comments on your body why are you training your clients in a bra top? Why are you wearing rolled down shorts? That's great that you have abs. Yes, that's great marketing. You got a good body. At the time, we didn't have Instagram then. I said, but do it when you're in your workout. You're a professional. Come mm-hmm. dressed as a professional. So as we're cleaning up, like the meeting, like everyone's grabbing their coffee cups and I'm walking out, I hear one of the female trainers go, says to another one, Oh, she's just jealous because she's, uh, she's, she's getting old. Now you want to know how old I was when we had this conversation? Oh no. I was 37. Oh God. 37. (laughs) She was in her early twenties and I turned to her and I said, look, you may be younger and hotter and prettier. I said, but when I was your age, you wouldn't have been able to hold a candle to me. I said, but what I have going for me now is that you'll never have, and that's knowledge. And so she just got out. I said, don't ever complain to me again that the male trainers 
are sexually harassing you. I see you drape yourself all over them. Like this girl was just, you know, and it gave, it gave personal trainers a bad name because even back then people would say, what do I need a trainer for? I know how to count. What do I need a trainer for? I don't need somebody to move the pin for me. Right. And it's, it's the bad that ruin it for the rest of us. Right. And unfortunately, and a lot of big box gyms and like quick weekend course trainers are out there and they take up the majority and it puts yeah. out a bad name for the rest. It of does. Us, it does. Sure. So that's really the only bad, bad experience I ever had really with a female trainer. Otherwise I've always sort of made it my goal to befriend the younger women. And because nobody did that to me. And I just kept remembering back in my days of working at Ontario hydro, how the older women were so, threatened by my presence I just wanted to be friends with the younger women so that they would like me and then they would give me good ideas on how to do makeup and hair if I ever needed it you know (laughs) yes no I actually that's another topic I was talking about with uh, some of my followers last night on Instagram which was the camaraderie between men in the gym and women there's no camaraderie between women women size each other up in the gym and like it's a competition but like my boyfriend we can walk into a gym we've never been into and by the end of the hour he's got like seven new friends yeah just like yep. they pump each other up they like want to hear what your split is and like girls just stare each other down until one of them gets uncomfortable and cries in the bathroom like i don't <laughs> understand why we can't just like fucking help each other i know Right. It's like, so that's, that's a whole other conversation. But before we get to that, I want to know, and I love that you brought this up already being a leading woman in the industry. How, how has it changed women specifically in the industry from when you started to where it is now? Do you think it's the same? Do you think women are a little bit more equal than men in the workplace now when it comes to fitness? Or do you think there's a little bit of disparity there still? Ah, that's a great question. I think, um, I think it's really hard to generalize that. I do see this as really being a female dominated industry, but I don't know if the females, even though that we outnumber the males get the level of respect that the males are able to get. Like I'm not going to name names, but I, I see on Instagram how males that have made their, you know, and, and they're, listen, they've got the education behind them but they've made their careers on how to sculpt a female's booty. And why can't a woman do that without having to have a thong up her ass while she's showing how to do a hip thrust? So that's where we have not evolved at all. And I'm not, I'm going to be, you know, whose, whose fault that is. That's not the male's fault. That's females faults. Females will listen to a guy tell them because, well, he's a guy, like he's, he's doing this. But if a woman's doing it, well, if she's not fucking hot to the nines and showing her ass, then nah, she's not credible. Deborah, you're like nailing everything I've been complaining about for the last 24 hours. I actually had a cry in my car last night. I went from the gym because I was like, I've been training for 13 years. I've been working out for 13 years and unless I'm 8% body fat or yeah. half naked, no one even fucking looks at me in the gym, but there's a bunch of 12, 15 year old boys who kind of have biceps 
or who hopped on the gear six months into working out and everyone will listen to what they have to say, but no one will even look at me. And I'm like, if I had a penis, I would not only be larger than all of these assholes, but I'd be like way more successful just because I had the right body parts. Right. Yes. It's so frustrating. Yeah, it is. And, And you know what? Women... I'll be honest with you. If somebody said to me, I could turn you into the Australian Kayla it signs. Do you want it? I'd go, okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay, But but you're going to be like, I have two step granddaughters. My partner has two granddaughters and we're both 56. I'm a grandma in some people's eyes. If they said to me, okay, but you got to wear booty shorts and do it, but you're going to make millions every year. I'd go, okay, I'll do it. Because I'm not getting people with always with my knowledge. Right. Right. But if you were an ugly fat man, you totally still would. I would. (laughs) So yes, I, and it's, again, this is what kills me. I, I actually get young men private messaging me saying, oh my God, you're so beautiful. And I don't even like, I, I used to say to them, um, okay, you know that I'm like old enough to be your mom. Like I have a 30 year old daughter, a 32 year old son-in-law and like a, my baby just turned 27. So I, I mean, I don't even acknowledge it anymore, but women seem to still think that a male is going to push them harder. And that's why I love my job with lady the F up because women have signed up to work with women and they are are experiencing what it's like to be pushed by a woman in a non-sexual way (laughs) yeah and like i i know people roll their eyes at this shit and it's too bad that no one actually takes it seriously and like my boyfriend he loves me but he rolls his eyes at me sometimes because i'm like i genuinely believe that women when it comes to bodybuilding sometimes we have to work twice as hard to put on a a, a fifth of the muscle that men can put on. Right. So like, I'm always as a guy, if you're having a hard time building muscle, ask a woman, if you, if there's a woman in the gym with bigger biceps than you ask her what her training split is. Don't ask fucking James who just discovered the gym six months ago because his football team wants him to, he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing, but she does. Right. Well, because James also was, if he just started, he's going to have all those wonderful newbie gains. Yes. Right. And he's got more testosterone. Like my poor little ovaries that went into uh, (laughs) retirement four years ago are just like, they're just squeaking out that testosterone the best they can. And you're utilizing all of it. And like that comes with experience. And the fitter you are and the longer you've been doing it, the harder it is to make those gains. Yes. But, you know, males, you know, uh, my my partner needs needs to lose weight. And he promised me January 1st he would start. And he did. And he's doing great. And he's down 20 pounds. And I have any, I'm not even counting his macros. And he's working out four times a week. That's right? it. Yeah. And he's like. Uh- Oh, he's like, I'm hungry. I go, okay, well I could make you a protein shake. Oh, okay. Yeah. Put extra banana in it. And like, I don't, I, I seriously do not know how much he's consuming. All I did was said, nah, you got to lay off the booze and no dessert every night. It's start training. It's ridiculous. Most men, especially I said, it's my brother too. They can, as long as you start working out, 
you can get away with not really watching your diet or right. like in my, my boyfriend's case, he's a bodybuilder. So his diet's very clean, but he's eating like upwards of 6,000 calories a day. He's, he's oh eating 1500 grams of rice a day <laughs> and he still has abs. I don't know what's happening. Oh. <laughs> right. Oh, nice. It's oh. ridiculous. And then for me, I just started prep Monday. I, I already don't remember what rice tastes like. Like it's <laughs> so dumb. It's so dumb. Yeah. It's hormones. And so, yeah, you're, uh, you're a hundred percent right. But I try, I don't get bitter about it. I just laugh because, you know, I actually now can say, I don't want to work with that person that doesn't think that I could do the job. And I still try. I still train men. Like I still have uh, some male clients that have been with me for years and years and years. And they've said to me, I have never had a trainer. That's more like, you're like a, you're like a, a pit bull crossed with a little terrier. Like you will say it like it is, but it's not about ego. Right. Nobody's allowed to do ego lifts in under my watch. And I, I think that's something that, and I'm going to be, I'm going to be sexist and say that's something women specifically bring. Like, I don't know a woman that has an ego in the gym when it comes to her business. Like I find I undermine myself more often than I overshoot what I'm capable of. Yeah. And you know what, that, that too has probably been socialized into you. I mean, yeah. it, right. Like, I'm not going to say something to a client unless I'm like 1000% certain it's going to help or benefit them or that I'm correct. And if I don't know, I'll say, I don't know until I do like same here. Yeah. Same. Yeah. So actually this is a great segue. We're doing so good here, Deborah. This is very natural. (laughs) Um, so do you think the industry is getting better in regards to women? Like, do you think it's getting there or do you think we still like, we still have some work to do, but are we improving from when you started? Oh yes. We're definitely improving. We're definitely improving. So then do you think, uh, being a woman that, um, the fact that your woman has ever held you back in your job, either done by yourself or because of other people in your professional career as a trainer or in the industry? Uh, I did have a female personal training manager that really did not like me. She really, she was, she really did not like me. Um, and she held, she tried to hold me back. Um, is that the question you asked? Did I have that? Yeah. Was it in reference? Was it because you were another female? Is that why she didn't like you? Yes. Yes. She was really, really kind to the male trainers. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because, you know, one of our, um, one of your, maybe you didn't have her a teacher, but she's a, one of our Humber colleagues, Winnie. Oh, I know. I love Winnie. I had her. Yeah. So Winnie's husband, Frank, and I, um, great. I'm great friends with both of them. We've been friends for close to 30 years, but, uh, Frank and I worked together at the Parkview club and we were really good colleagues. Like just, he, he was nailing it. I was nailing it. But if there was, if he did something wrong and I did the same thing, the only one that would get caught or called upon would be me. Um, and we just sort of noticed that and the, some of the other trainers didn't notice it as much. And then um, they did. Like there was a young guy who's gone on to be quite a, I don't think it's called Masa, but it was, oh, I can't remember the name of the program, but he's big with good life. He does all the, um, 
Well, you would probably know him, Gavin Featherstone. Do you Maybe know I don't know. I'm bad at remembering. Okay, so names. he's he's big with Good Life with their with their Group X classes. Okay. He used to be able to get away with stuff, and then he actually became our manager. Like, so I was sort of passed over, and I was like, "Oh, okay, I've got a good 10, 11 years of experience and age on this guy, but that's okay." It really, it really taught me to continue to be even nicer to females that you work with. I I know that at the boutique gym I worked at there was another tra- another trainer there that is my age and she never had children and she would be so rude to the young trainers that would come on and you know like i I'd, I'd say to her why because they're cute because they have nice smooth skin because they're outgoing she goes, oh, you just like young girls because you have young girls. You're a mom. Or no, you just you just try to be everybody's friend because you're a teacher. And I just looked at her and I said, no, because I don't want to turn into somebody like you being an old, bitter bitch. And that's what I think happens. And women have to be nicer to the younger women. Like, bring them on. Help them. Help them. Like, so what? Nobody helped me in this industry. Not one single person. I don't have anybody that I could say thank you. The only person I can say actually for the last two years is my coach. He's and the he's only, a man. And he's a man. Nobody ever helped me in this industry. And I was, even in my last place where I worked, um, I had a, a, an issue with the personal training manager with sexual harassment. And I made a complaint and the two women that I made the complaint to one was like, Oh, okay. We should talk to him. And the other one laughed it off and said, Oh, that's just him. I've known him for 21 years. And I recently brought this up because she can't understand why I don't want to speak to her. She goes, well, why didn't you, why are you waiting like eight years to bring this up? And I said, because when I came to you eight years ago, you laughed it off. Like, where did I feel safe to bring it up again? Right. And do I still work for the person? Yeah. I still had to work for him. I still had to be subjected to being, oh, that's Deborah. Oh, that's, you know, and like, so sexual harassment's going to happen. Shit's going to happen at work. I'm not saying, I, I think the fitness industry is the last industry to kind of smarten up because I, I think it's tolerated a little too much. And the ones that don't want it, are were again labeled as bitches or idiots but I can tell you having worked with my male coach for two years now oh over two years there has never been a sniff of impropriety um his male trainers that work under him no like I just don't see it I do not see it in our group meetings all over zoom or when we were when we were together they're the most respectful professional group of trainers and business owners and there's just no need for it so I know that it can exist so what it comes down to is is it are we are we all doing something to perpetuate that um are females feeling like they have to act like that to get ahead like and you know you know, laugh it off, kind of take it. 
Um, or do it, am I just, I don't know, crusty. <laughs> like, I just don't, I don't like it. I think the issue is, is there is this really weird, uh, kind of like combination of like, so sex cells. Yes. Sex cells. And there is, there is a power in there. There is power in recognizing that you're a, a sexy, beautiful woman and that that is not a negative thing, but also then recognizing that there's also sour uh, power, sorry, and, and, and sex appeal in knowing what you're doing and being a professional. And you can have both at the same time, but in fitness, I'm going to say mostly in Instagram, because that's my, the extent of my knowledge. Most fitness influencers that are females are fitness influencers, not because of what they know, but because of what they look like. And their posts are borderline pornographic or suggestive and guys aren't like my, one of my biggest, like the thing that just makes me violent is Jim Shark's Instagram page because they always post videos of guys lifting really heavy of guys, super muscular doing good workouts. And they only ever post photos of girls with big boobs, which has <laughs> nothing to do with fitness or their ass. And nine of out of 10, they're doing some half-ass RDL in their living room with a two pound dumbbell that isn't even reaching full range of motion, which wouldn't even hit your glutes. And I'm like, I feel like we have the knowledge and we have the capable women. There are women out there who are fucking tanks. Why aren't they the ones that are being blasted on my Instagram feed? Why is it the girls who are just all ass and tits? And that's not saying ass and tits is bad, but what it's doing is it's creating this narrative that in fitness, if you're a woman, you are respected if you have the body. And if you're a man, you are respected if you're strong or if you have the knowledge. Right. Well, and that's, you know what, again, working for the owners of lady, the fuck up, they are kick ass, hardcore women They're, I mean, they're young, they're like 28 and 34, but they're, you know, they're always saying, uh, like you got a lift and you have to like, they're not about sex. They don't, they, they look sexy, but they don't act it. And they've, and they're brilliant. Um, but one, you know, I make the joke too, like women don't want to lift heavy because they're so afraid they're going to get bulky. Yeah. So as a female influencer or somebody in fitness, you also have to worry, but I'm like, come on, please. Let me, let me try to show you how you're going to get bulky. Like in your dreams, you're going to get bulky in when your I, fucking dreams. It's not going to happen. Your handbag is probably 15 pounds, but you keep doing that one arm row with that eight pound weight. Like my line to all my clients, whenever I get that is if you could accidentally get bulky from lifting weights, I would look very different right now. <laughs> I have been training for 13 years to try to look like a linebacker and I still look like a fucking dancer. You are not going to get bulky. I promise. No, no, especially clean up your diet, right? Literally like it's so, yeah, no, I, I struggle because like, I'm very much like, um, this last year I rebooted my Instagram trying to be a little bit more fitness focused because it got very sex focused because I was hot and I was prepping, you probably got this, you get those DMS from people. And 
the attention I was getting was turning my fitness posts into a sex thing. And it wasn't supposed to be. And I started to feel shame. Like I'm not going to be taken seriously because I'm just a girl who looks good in a sports bra and, and tights. And I was terrified to post because I didn't want to be supporting this fake narrative that you have to be some hot bitch to be right. respected. Like I want to be respected because of what I know. Exactly. But then I just kind of recognized that like, that doesn't also mean that you can, you should feel shame that you look good. No. You can look good and you can know what you're talking about and they can coexist. Yes. But it's exactly. just finding that balance. Well, I, I did my very first um, post on Instagram, like on my story the other day, I've never done like a, for fun, like a glute shot on hump Wednesday. And I did it and I went like, oh my God, I'm like actually blushing that I did this, but I don't mind doing stuff and making a joke because I also have, like I said, a 30 year old and a 27 year old daughter and I'm, and a partner. And I'm very, very, I'm very aware of how I want people to take me. And so because people like just what you said will over-sexualize things, like I could make a post. I made a post one time about the sexual abuse I went through as a kid and somebody wrote at the bottom, they clearly didn't read it. Man, you're hot. And I'm like, yeah, that's like, so not. Yeah. And I don't even, I don't acknowledge that. I don't yeah. fight or engage. But even when females do that, like you could write something about really something's really serious and they write, you look so hot today. Yeah. But did you read what I just said? Right. Did you read what I, I typed? My thing was like, I am. Yeah, I'm hot. And like, I love that. It's my favorite thing. I love it. It's great. It's super fun to be a hot person, but it's the yeah. least interesting thing about me. I fucking promise you that. Yeah, exactly. That's all. Oh, I love that. Right. It's oh, the least I, interesting thing about me. I love that. You're, you're right. You're so right. Like I know that with my coach, I've teased him and I've said, oh my God, like women fall all over you. And he's like, yeah, I don't understand it. And I said, because you're, because you're not available because you're not a hands-on guy. If you get my drift, like you're not greasy. You don't ever, you're, I can stand in front of you in my bikini doing a back pose. And all you're going to tell me is, yeah, you're still too fat for the goal. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like I had to, I showed my, my partner goes, Ooh, like he, Amber gets to see you like that. And I said, okay, can I just show you his roster of athletes? So I brought up all his athletes, like these young women. And he goes like this. Oh yeah. Okay, babe. <laughs> like you, he goes to me, no, no, you are sexy. You look hot. He goes, but Jesus, you're like a 56 year old woman. And I said, exactly. He's looking at back poses of 23 year olds. They see ass right? and titties all day. That's all they do. He doesn't and they're see just, them. they're just looking for glued hamstring tie in. They're not That's actually all seeing he's anything looking else. For and yeah. to see if I'm, if I'm able to get those ratios, right. Right. Like yeah. twist a little bit more. So I said to Amber, I go, well, you are safe with me because I like my men toilet trained and I'm old enough to be your mom. And he, you, I knew that that was the moment we were going to be friends too, because we have great conversations. It's never, ever, ever veers into anything wrong, but I wish it could be like that all the time. Yeah. You know, I wish, 
I, I actually feel sorry for him because I, I see what people write on his social media. And I think, ladies, you need to chill the fuck out. You don't even know him. Yeah. And that's the thing that people don't get is it's like, um, when you talk about this kind of stuff, everyone's like, oh, well, you know, you're just, it's just compliments. Like who doesn't like getting compliments or attention? And I'm like, okay, everyone knows I'm an attention whore. I <laughs> love attention. Okay. Love it. But there is a difference between, there is attention that is based on what it is I'm trying to, to tell you or show you. And yes. then there is you changing my narrative of what I'm trying to say without my permission. Right. If I post up a picture of me in lingerie because I did some sexy shoot with my photographer, then hell yeah, go for it. F- flood me with inappropriate, uncomfortable attention because clearly that's what I am looking for. But if I'm wearing pants and I am teaching a squat form, Let's yeah. not make it a sex thing because that's no. not what we're doing here. Exactly. Right. Exactly. It's not, not wanting attention. It's just, we want the same. I want respect regardless of if I'm a hot woman or a fat old man about what it is I have to say. That's, that's all I want. Yeah. No, I, I, and I, I agree a hundred percent. I remember when you were going through your prep, um, you, you're, you're an older woman for what people are used to seeing in bikinis on Facebook. And I remember you making a post about all the hate you were getting from other women yes. of your same age. Yes. And I think that's an important point. And that stuck with me because it was like, yeah, I, what we do is really hard and it's a really emotional thing. And it actually has nothing to do with vanity at all. Nope. And it really nope. sucks when people who are supposed to be there to, to lift us up make it into something cheaper than what it actually is. Oh, I, I had a woman say to me who knows me, this is no different than just a slutty beauty pageant. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, that like that stung, you know, or I, I actually lost friendships because people said, and, and no, I shouldn't say that people remove were removed from my life because I thought they were friends, but they, they obviously they weren't. weren't friends. My friends that I have today stuck by me during my prep and are always like raw, 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 go, go, go. And it funnily enough, my best friend is only 49. I mean, you know, she, I, I she's great. She supports anything I do, everything I do and calls me on my shit too. But yeah, I got a lot of things from women like you call yourself a personal trainer and a fitness professional, yet you're promoting unhealthy habits. I'm like, I'm not promoting this. What I did for a show, the prep is not about health. No, that's it's not even about lifestyle weight loss. It's the goal to create a physique that would win me a trophy. It's an art. Yes. It's an art. And I don't know how to do it. So that's why I hired a coach. Right. He uses science and art. His eye, I feel, is a phenomenal eye. And he knows my body now and what it can do and what it can't do. And he uses his knowledge and experience. But I'm not promoting doing this. I'm promoting doing things that scare you. Like before I got into this, I took tap dancing lessons with people half my age. And then I even signed up to be in the show with the little kids. And I went on the stage and I did a tap dance, you know, and after a year of taking lessons, my girls came and watched me. I just like doing things that scare the shit out of me to bring me out. 
And because I think Shana, my whole life up until I was into my thirties, I tried to live under a rock because of my background of my, my youth as a child, because of being so poorly treated as an attractive female working for the first time, I just, I used to just say things like, "Ugh, I don't want anyone to ever say I'm pretty or cute again. Like, I just want to be known for how smart I am. And now I don't give a shit how smart I am. Just tell me I'm pretty or I'm cute. (laughs) Right. I think that's, oh, this is, yes, you're nailing it because I think it's all based on what it is that you are maybe insecure about or because you've come into your power. That's how I'm going to put it. You know what you're capable of. Right. You're qualified. You've proven it to the world, but more importantly to yourself. Right. So you don't have to second guess your knowledge or your capabilities anymore. But now comes the whole societal factors around getting older and into your 50s and your 60s. And that changes. And that's a whole new path that you're going to have to walk and you don't have anyone to help you do it. Right. And that's where you're at. And this leads perfectly into my next question, because I'm at this place where I'm constantly Rec- I constantly am choosing to not say things or not do things because I am not confident in my own capabilities. And it, for the longest time, I blamed it on the fact that I'm, a, that I'm a woman. And it wasn't until my boyfriend said something, he was like, you know, he's like, babe, you know, more than half the people in the gym that we train at. Cause we train in this little gym, like in the middle of nowhere. Cause it's a really yeah. awesome gym, but there's like eight country bumpkins that go there. It's like a small gym. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, if you walked up to anyone on that gym and told them they were doing something wrong and taught them, they would listen to you. And he's like, the only person in that room that thinks you couldn't do that is you. And I recognize that I don't approach people ever because I just assume no one wants to hear from the 140 pound little white girl about that their squat form is bad if they're like a 300 pound football linebacker. But he made it very clear. He's like, I would listen to you. He's like, and I think they would too. I think you're the only person that, that thinks that way. And so I guess my question is at what point, like, was there a point in your life where you were like, yeah, no, I know, I know what the fuck I'm doing. I know my worth. Or is that something that you have to teach yourself and train? Oh, I wish I could tell you that it's not the latter, but it is. You have to, you have to start really believing that you are enough. Like you really are enough and your, your worth is not tied up into anything other than what you bring to the table. And that's just a comp that can be a culmination of your education, your looks, your experience, your personality, you know, but you, you have to believe it. I, I, I always made the joke that put me at Humber or put me at the gym with my clients and my self-esteem couldn't get any higher. I'm ridiculously confident. Um, as a parent, I would say I'm about 80% confident because that's a lot of responsibility raising kids and I raise them alone. In my, per, my private life with friends or a romantic partner, zero, absolute zero confidence. And I could never, ever reconcile the Deborah that could do so well 
you know, and, and continue to do well with the Deborah that always seemed to be in a relationship that just demeaned and undermined. And it wasn't until I, I learned that I don't ask for it in my personal life. I don't ask for the, and command the respect. So that's why I don't have confidence in myself because I don't, it's really, it's really normal to have a shitty personal life if you're not applying what you apply in your professional life. Do you know what I mean? Like my values, my values and my morals and what I will tolerate at work. Like I had a man early on in my career tell me that he had fallen in love with me. I was training him three times a week. And I said, well, we can't work together anymore. Well, why is that? I'm not going to act on it. I go, well, I didn't want to hear that. And if you really did value working with me, you wouldn't have said anything. You wouldn't have said it because I do like, I knew, I knew I had not done, done that, done, like made him think that that was okay. Lost him. I listen to women talk about how female trainers worked with their husbands, you know, and a lot when my female clients started saying to me, I would, I would want my husband to train with you. Like there's not a whiff of impropriety with you. I even have a, a male client who says, if I ever want to dump you, I don't have to dump you. All I have to do is say I'm in love with you and you'll dump me. Like that's, that's how well, but you know what? It's because I commanded respect. And I knew, I knew that I knew my shit put me in a relationship. I was in a relationship for 18 years with somebody who mentally, verbally abused me and took advantage of me financially and emotionally. And I, it wasn't until one day I just went, holy shit, I can't do this anymore. And so you, and that was what, maybe seven years ago, I guess, six years ago. Yeah. Six years ago. It was, I was 50. It took me till then. So if you can start really realizing your worth across the board, like I, I have no doubt in my mind that in your romantic relationships, you are probably very confident in yourself and you're not going to take shit from anybody. You can't be with a guy that can't be with a woman as strong as you like, right. Like you, you, and I just, it's just from working with you as, as an instructor, as your teacher, getting to know you as a friend, you, you command a certain amount of attention just with your energy. It's too bad that you couldn't see that that goes straight through to your professional side too. But maybe you just need a few more years under your belt and a few more wins, and then you will see it. That's, that's kind of been my, my process, my, my thinking. I did a lot of like, we think we all did soul searching over this COVID lockdown, but I recognized that very early on, I decided I wasn't an intellect. I wasn't smart. And so instead I was like, okay, if I'm not going to be smart, I'm going to be pretty and I'm going to be fit. And so (laughs) I noticed working for good life, I go to courses all the time. And at the course, I never talk. Like I don't argue with people about the science. Like if there's like three guys that clearly read like some YouTube video or whatever, and they are talking to <laughs> science, I won't do that. But like, I'll outlift you later on the floor or like, I'll do more burpees than you or I'll run 5k faster than you. If it's physical, I'm going to try to do my best to win. Cause like I've proven to myself, I can do that. Right. But I'm recognizing that I can bring 
my brain to the table too, but I just have to get that confidence in that. Yeah. And you know, it's funny. I used to think that because I knew something, I had to say it. (laughs) That sounds like me. (laughs) And I've also learned that I don't have to say it. Like it is not my job to make sure that you know that you're wrong. And I've just, that is, and I learned that on pretty early on in my career and that I will speak up when it's worth my time, but I'm not going to speak up just to show that I know something because what's that going to do? My dad always my cheeks go hot yes. and then people are going to stare at me and then they're going to, and then I'm going to get upset. And then, Oh God forbid, I actually become a little bit sucky, which could happen. <laughs> I'm going to admit it. And I get all fired up. So sometimes I just like, it's, it's, it's a nice little thought in my head and to think, Oh, you poor idiot. You have no idea what you're talking about. And you know what? You're not my responsibility. I don't have to educate you. And that's true confidence. My dad always tells me, because I've always been loud. I'm sure as my teacher, you figured that out. I've always been loud. Loved it. Dad, when I'm like, when I was like 12, 13, I'll never forget this. He was like, Shana, your, your energy is amazing and your confidence is great. But the loudest person in the room is not always the smartest person. (laughs) He's like, so you don't always have to talk. You can just know things. And I think about that. I think about that all the time. No, it's, it's good advice, It is, but you know, sometimes, I mean, that's what I, that's what I always loved about you in class because you actually were one of the smartest kids in the class and you I always tried. knew your answers. <laughs> you did. You always knew, you know, um, you always sat with this one woman who had three kids, Christy. Christy. And I've actually have run into Christy a few times. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, she never really talked that much, but you talked, I knew she knew her stuff more than me too. Well, you know what, if I had to choose who I'd work with just based on how you came across in class, I'd pick you because at least I know I would know where I stood and you were fun, you know? So. And that means a lot. And and you're saying a lot of similarities to Lee. And I think in this industry, knowledge is important and it's underappreciated in some areas, but personality and personal skills and the confidence to deliver it is just as important. And I'm excited for the day that my confidence in what I know reaches the same confidence I have in just how I can talk to people because talking to people doesn't scare me, but I do want to know, make sure that my knowledge is up to par first. Yeah. And you know what, Shana, uh, listen, I don't have all the answers and I just recently learned something um, recently about myself is that when somebody has poked me and they've been rude, I've always, I'm, I'm always the first one for, for confrontation, like no problem. I'm going to speak up and I'm going to tell you what, right. Yes. So I feel like sometimes, and this is going to sound maybe a bit airy fairy, but I really do believe that the universe keeps planting these obstacles in your way to trip you up until you finally learn. And I, I, I had an all out high school girl war with three other 54 year old women (laughs) who were the ones that were putting me down about my, my show and everything, 
because one of them decided to go back to school. She was a failed or is a failed personal trainer. She tried to be a personal trainer, couldn't do it because it's not easy to be a personal trainer. It's not about just, right? (laughs) Anyways. And she went back to school for nutrition. And I I went to school, uh, have a diploma in nutrition as well. And so she made a comment to me. It was quite rude. And she said, look, I, I know better now. And I just want to balance my hormones and it just got under my skin. And so I felt the need to tell her, oh, you're going to balance chemical reactions to what your body's doing at any given moment. Good luck with that. Meaning that, you know, like we're, we're, we're never, the body's always trying to stay in homeostasis and imbalance. You can't yes. balance your hormones. Like you can get them to the right levels. But what does that mean? Balance. So I called her out on it and it became like this huge fight and I wouldn't back down and I just would not back down. And as a result of not backing down, they have like, they blocked me on all their social media. They don't want to talk to me. Then they told their husbands that their husbands weren't allowed to be friends with my partner. And like, it became like this whole high school thing. God. And he is friends with only one of them now. And he says, look, all the men have all come around and said like, yeah, the women, they're all, you know, crazy. But my partner said to me, I know you were right. And they did gang up on you and they were mean to you, but sometimes you just, you just have to learn how to walk away. And I, and that's something I've never been able to do until recently. I had a client kind of trigger me because she was she was so rude in a text message and then so rude again in an email that I asked her, let's jump on a call. And when I was able to prove to her that I had done what she had accused me of not giving her, I just stayed quiet and listened to her trip over her words. And I was like, yeah, I, I'm so glad that I didn't feel the need to fight and get defensive because really, if I look at it from the client's point of view, what I'm asking her to do is really fucking scary. Like she's now got to work out this way. She's got to eat a certain way. She needs to be drinking three liters of water. She can't, you know, I'm asking her to give up her nightly wine. Like there's, I never would have seen that before. And, and that's ego and that's immaturity. So it took me until, you know, recent, like a year ago to learn that lesson. And so now I'm confident in that. So when those little triggers come up, I'm able to laugh them off. But so what my advice to you is don't be so hard on yourself that you have to figure it all out. Save some, save some learning for when you're in your fifties. Cause it's exhausting. <laughs> oh, good. It's still happening. That's good to know. Yeah. yeah it's great. <laughs> this has been like probably one of the hardest, like life lesson years for me. And I made a joke to my mom and I was like, when I'm 45 after 45, 50, I'm done learning. And she's like, that's not true, man. I'm still figuring it out. And I was like, crap, that's not what I wanted to hear. It's no, it, it, it's true. You know, I used to think get my kids to a certain age. And then I'm not a mom anymore, really. Like I don't have to worry about it. Oh my God. Like my kids that have bought a house now I'm worried. Like, I hope they never lose their job. Are they going to be able to pay their mortgage? Are they like, you are always learning. And I have to learn how to let go. Like I want to be 
part of the gang with my girls. Like it was always the three of us. And my girls will say, yeah, mom, like, no, you're not part of this. Like, <laughs> and don't post me on social media. Like I got in shit the other day again. And I was like, oh, sorry. You know, like they don't like my stuff. So I figured that they weren't looking at it. <laughs> but like, I'm always having to learn a lesson. Always. Yeah. My mom always. could relate to that 100%. She could. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, enjoy. It's like what we tell our clients. Don't focus on the goal. Enjoy the process. That's good advice. And if you don't enjoy the process, you're, you're so focused on the goal. I do not believe that that goal will ever happen. I think the goal is really learning to live and love the process and that you just tweak the goal as you go along. Okay. So I'm going to add that to the long list of things you've given me to think about. I really appreciate this. And I want to ask in closing, not just to me specifically, but to any other young females out there that they want to make fitness their career. They, they see personal training or group fitness or coaching as a career path. Do you have any advice outside of what you've already said that you'd like to leave them with? Yes. Um, get to know yourself really well. What do, what do you bring to the table? Because everybody's fighting for the same client and, you know, having a good body, a fit body, having the, having an unfit body and trying to attract people through that. It doesn't, it's all the same. You're still all fighting for a finite amount of people. So if you know who you are and you can build off of who you are and what you bring to the table, well, like, why should I spend my dollars with you? Why? Cause that's what it really comes down to is like, if you can't get people to, buy into you and trust you and want to work with you, then this is not a career. This is, this is a, this is a, a passion. Uh, like it's, it's fun. It's a, it's a hobby, but if you really, really want to make this your, your profession where you're paying your bills and you're buying, you know, purchasing your home with it and, and raising a family with your paychecks, then you have to know who you are. And you have to be willing to frighten the shit out of yourself to reach harder and higher and, um, you know, have fun while you're doing it, but try to get as many tools in your toolbox. It's not easy there. It's, it's a very, very competitive industry. And it's always changing. And I feel like every time I grasp something, there's like 15 other people doing the exact same thing. Yeah, I, I, I've never been a fad person. Like, F-A-D. no, no, me either. No, so I, I'm, I'm tried and true. I'm the tried and true person. Like, you know, um, like remember those? I don't know if you do. You know that trend where people wore those boots that they jumped up and down like a kangaroo? The like moon boots? No, like they're it's an actual exercise, like like a pro, like a class. Oh my that god! You would put on, and, and all I kept thinking was like, ooh. I have to put sweaty boots on that somebody else has worn. Like fads don't last. Right. So no. And so if you want to last, you have to know who you are. If you hate pregnant women, then don't, don't study prenatal postnatal fitness. If you hate triathlons and, and cardiovascular endurance, 
then don't, don't put your efforts there. Right? Like don't try to be everything, like find out what you're good at and then really, really work that. And, but keeping an open mind. I think that's awesome. Thank you so much, Deborah. Do you want to plug, where can people find you if people want to work with you or follow your journey? Uh, yes, they can find me on Instagram, uh, coach underscore Deborah, D-E-B-R-A underscore bash, B-A-S-C-H. So it's coach Deborah Bash. And, uh, or they can find me on ladythefup.com. That's our website. And I just want to thank you for asking me to do this. It's always, it's always an ego boost when a student reaches out and says, like, I would really like to hear what you have to say, because you also get those students that fall asleep at the back of your class. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, they're not still working in the industry like five years later. That's a promise. Right. But thank you. This is fun. And it's been um, a pleasure getting to see what you're doing now. Like, you're uh what did I what did I say to you you're like a thousand watt light bulb all the time (laughs) all the time like nobody's I can't imagine being in your presence as an insecure person because you exude confidence and energy and if you don't do it in a way that rams it down people's throats or makes them feel badly about themselves. People do that to themselves. They just don't realize they do it to themselves. But, you know, you're somebody that I would want to, I would want to like seek you out and go, I need her to be my friend because if she's my friend, then I know I'm going to be okay. Wow. That's, that's probably the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. No, I mean, it. Like if I saw you at the gym, I would be like, I want that girl to like me because I'm older and I know my stuff, but she knows her stuff and she's fun and she's got a great smile and yeah. Oh no, no, for sure. All right. Awesome. So, uh, this is an outro clip now, this was like a couple days later, but I just wanted to jump on here and just, I just want to say that I, I love the, the raw flow of conversations with people like with Lee and with Deborah. And that's why I leave the, the clips uncut and uh, I just put the whole thing up, which is why they kind of have weird endings. Um, and I left this little bit in here, not because I wanted to like flex on myself, but it's because this was such a genuine exchange between, you know, a, a young woman who like really idolizes another woman. And, and to hear those things from Deborah really meant a lot to me, just like some of the amazing things Lee said to me. And I felt it was important to leave those in the episode because I feel like a lot of people my age are kind of in the same boat as me where we're constantly just overthinking things and contradicting ourselves and and, and assuming we can't do the things we want to do or undercutting ourselves or underappreciating ourselves, cutting ourselves down. And we don't mean to do it. Like I love myself. I love who I am, but I am capable of so much more. And if I would just get out of my own way, I know that I could accomplish all the things that I want to and more. So if you're going through a a part in your life where you're just like recognizing that you're having a hard time getting out of your own way, talk to some of the people in your life that have already done it, that know you. And you might be surprised to hear the way that other people in your life see you, and especially people who, who respect you or see your potential. Um, sometimes hearing it from someone else uh, is all that you need. 
So I just thought that was a really beautiful way to end the episode. Thank you guys for listening. uh, And please stick around for episode three uh, coming very soon.